I mean, it is that that kind of downbeatness of which always kind of permeates because of it, it's because of that loss of uh, high margin revenue that um, and the co- and the immense cost of the infrastructure which the the, the operators are having to to bear on their own and maybe that's a that's something that that will have to change in 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 some way because the you know that the big hyperscalers aren't going to be able to execute on their consumer activities without csps networked and if csps can't afford to to build 5g to the level that it needs to be built the fight the promise of 5g won't happen so that's the depressing side Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Telecoms.com podcast. We're from Mobile World Congress and Ericsson has been kind enough to let us film from their stand. So thanks a lot, Pia. Shout out to you. Um, and yeah, we're just, it's a normal hectic thing at the end of Mobile World Congress. Everyone's knackered, everyone's hungover. We're going to just try and see what we can reflect on the week. Um, yeah. I'll start by um, talking. I think I've only written one thing this week. Yeah. Um, but I wrote that from the Ericsson stand, funny enough. People are going to think I'm employed by you. Actually, before I go any further, you've I lived should, here basically. I, <laughs> I, I should introduce that uh, we've got a special guest, Peter Linder from Ericsson. Thanks a lot for coming on, Peter. Thank you very much. Pressure's all mine. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and I wrote an article at the start of the week from the stand where I was just chatting to Pierre and some of her colleagues. And for some reason, a metaphor about buying a coffee from like Starbucks entered my mind and, and comparing that to the telecoms industry. And otherwise, you know, you buy coffee now, there's 10 different types of beans, types of milk, types of froth, types of crap you put on top of it. Um, and, and it just feels, my, my feeling from the show and from some of the briefs we've had before is that it's just getting increasingly complicated, this industry, in terms of choice, in terms of variables, in terms of also trying to articulate the propositions. Now, it's not necessarily bad, but it's a, I think it's a common challenge that we all have. You're on, you're on the vendor side, we're on the journalist side. And uh, we'll, get, we'll get a colleague of mine from the analyst side on to talk about that in a sec. So that was, I think, my biggest theme from the show has just been complexity, choice, um, difficulty in... I mean, I wrote a, a piece just before the show just saying, what's the point of 5G? And I wasn't just trying to be a dick. Um, I was just trying to say that we, we're not really that sure what precisely the point of it is. I'm sure it's got lots of points, and I'm sure Peter in a sec will invite you to put me straight. Um, <laughs> but, but that was where I was, I was coming at. So, so that's yeah. me. What about you, Ian? Any major themes jumping out? Yeah, there's a few. I mean, oh, and cheers, by cheers, the way. Cheers, yeah. yeah. Uh, good to be here. And yeah, cheers. thanks to Ericsson. Um, uh, there's quite a few. There's a lot going on, obviously, and it's bigger than it was last year. So uh, there's even more going on. I mean, there's various things I could talk about. There's, there's you know, there's all the keynote stage discussions going on where there's the usual concerns about the state of regulation and some of these themes like fair share coming up and yeah. industry consolidation. And may- maybe it's a little bit more relevant this year because the EU does seem to be taking a look at some of these things and having a hard think about them, whereas in previous years, it's, it's just sort of... I don't know if you, if you saw it. it was one of the hard things for us as journalists is to see what the breaking news is because we're just it running is. around um, Yeah, I've tried to make an effort to sort of have a, have an, a bird's eye view. A so I noticed bit, one from yesterday, a, the... The CEO, I think, of Netflix did a keynote here. Right. And he was basically going, you start charging us 
um, for the network stuff, the fair contribution, and that's going to hit content budgets, which I suppose is an inevitable line for yeah. them to take, but it's still Well, I think that shows all the challenges of fair, of fair share that I don't think it's... I'm not sure how workable it is. Uh, um, I, I, and the other one that stood out for me, actually, was, I mean, we're on Ericsson's stand, but the CEO, Boyekum, I think, was speaking to CNBC, I think it was, talking about... It, it not being sustainable, having essentially the industry structured this way, people, customers aren't spending money. You know, there's always this concern for companies like Ericsson about the pace of 5G build out in this mm. market. If you compare it to somewhere like South Korea, for instance, where it's very densified and there seems to be a lot more investment in mid band, I think those are kind of high level okay. topics. I mean, there's loads I could pick on because there's quite a lot from open APIs and things like that yeah. to, well, we might to, come back to, to that, six actually. to 5G, even yeah. to 6G, to some of the VRAN stuff I've been talking to people about. But the one for me, I suppose, is a public cloud, you know, like yeah. just a lot more noticeable here than they have been in the past. And there were quite a few announcements from Microsoft coming into the show. And then my colleague, Mike Dano, has been running around and chatting to AWS and Google, and they all have their slightly different proposition, but they are much more involved in this yeah. space than they were. I mean, I spoke with Microsoft and they were talking about doing um, the sort of things even that we'd associate more with VMware and Red Hat in the past, you know, actually putting their their platforms on a, on a, on a you know, it's a yeah. high, fully hybrid cloud, but you've got the same platform can support public and on-premises. We're, we're, you we're know. having to understand the, the more IT well, techie side of things more than ever. This ties in with your coffee thing, because this is incredibly complicated. It is. You know? I mean, I mean you've, got, <laughs> you've got people like, whenever you write about um, AT&T and say they've, they've, they've done something very risky, they've put their 5G core in the public cloud, there's a lot of pushback. They go, no, it isn't the public cloud. It's actually on-premises. It's just using Microsoft's platform. But, you know, okay. they're still reliant on a, a hyperscaler platform. And, and then, so the... A slight pushback against that, I think, is coming from Europe. I was chatting to Orange's CTO a bit earlier, Mikhail Trabia. There's this initiative called Silver, which is an effort to bring some kind of standardization to this area. You know, if you have a, one challenge for companies like Ericsson is developing uh, network functions that are then going to be host, you know, able to be hosted in these different cloud environments. And if you move it from one to the, one to the other, it has to be... Yeah. You know, it has to be adapted and it's not the same. And um, their, their hope through Silver, I mean, it's another... And to I think quote another CTO, it's a pain in the ass to do. Exactly. So Silver's trying to bring some kind of standardisation to that and um, a, a push for common practices to okay. be used. I don't know where it's going to go, right. but I think the whole the whole public cloud and what the alternatives are is a massive thing. No, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really good overview. So, so Peter, um, from a personal or an Ericsson or both perspective, what have been the big themes for you? I think the big thing for me is four years since I was here last time, so I didn't didn't see it like no, it's a little bit shower, slower. I think that the big difference that we've seen that tremendous interest in the five G re revenue generation as a, as a main top theme right now. When we can come quite a bit into the deployment of the networks, we've converted the first group of customers from four G to five G. Um, in most markets with some kind of a model with upselling into some better packages and more services. But as I fully agree with your coffee analogy, they're more complex packages. Yeah. The security with or without the MiFi router, a little more of this, less of that. So some more differentiated offerings on, on, on the base offerings. And then tied to that whole revenue generation, we're looking at out of all the new application, what has been a success so far? Well, fixed wireless access has gone from from hey, can it really work to actually capturing pretty much all, all fixed net, net app growth in, in the US, for example. 
So I, I think this, this, this theme is a little bit characteristic for where we are in the market. If we talk an analogies, I often talk about, I say in the, our business, it's like selling mobile broadband and smartphones to everybody. It's like being in the cheese store selling Parmesan wheels, a lot of the same thing and just rolling out 84 pound wheels of cheese all the time. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden now we have to deal with three, three ounces of gorgonzola, three ounces of brie, yeah. like smaller revenue stream and things that we haven't really yeah, sold. I'll throw that into the metaphor mix with my coffee one. Yeah. We've yeah, got, no, we got cheese as yeah, well now. Yeah, we got a cheesy one. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that, that that is the central theme for, yeah. I think for, we like also see where we see most of the traction, where, where, where people are hanging around most of the time. Yeah, yeah I, I completely agree with that. And I think it, it, it's not a criticism because it, it is what it is, but it presents a challenge for all of us, um, sort of communicating it. And I also get a slight sense, you might push back on this, but I get a slight sense of the industry being in a, a slight lull. So we had, we've had four years of sort of 5G hype and initial build out, but a lot of the promised um, business models that's supposed to come from it still seem to be at quite an early stage. Yep. So it feels like we're in a lull, we're getting ready. I mean, this is, you know, this is obviously very relevant to Ericsson, the whole network exposure thing and the API yeah. thing, which was a big theme. Um, but, you know, I know, you know, um, we, we've spoken about it on the pod before, we're, we're still, we feel like it's quite a gamble by Ericsson because it's quite unproven. Um, so, I mean... No, but I, I think it's very clear. I, I, I went through a journey in 2019. I, I essentially shifted from going out and talking to service providers to essentially going out and talking with service providers to different enterprise customers. Uh, at the same time, I was trying to teach my mom what 5G was. Yeah. And she was down the road, G5. She sold G5 all the time. And I said, no, it's 5G. It works in a different way. And when I realized that... Uh, the, the kind of things I was trying to get my mom to understand was not very different from what what I was speaking with enterprise customer about as what some of the fundamentals were. So there has been a, a phenomenal, I would say, a learning curve, almost like going into taking coll a college degree in terms of like getting up to speed and say, this is what it is, this is what yeah. you can do. Because I think many people in the enterprise side came into it and said, hey, 4G, we know what it is. It's like sunlight. It's, it's everywhere yeah. on the outside and it goes through windows and it's on the inside too. And then and we it's came with... a mobile broadband. It's, it's a simple a, proposition. It's a very simple proposition. And now then when we came with 5G, I said, oh, now we've got low bands and mid bands and high bands. What, what are you talking about? And said, yeah, you might need some special solution indoors. What, what, what do you mean? We still have windows. Why, why can't, why can't mm. the, the 5G come in through the windows the way, the way it used to do? So there is... I think that there's the, the, the learning curve and the education that has to have taken place, I think was bigger than anyone expected and it's taken longer. Yeah. And especially taken longer also when you come from building something full custom, doing like a big football game or like the ones we had in the States a couple of weeks ago, to actually what if we did go down one level and start replicating it and get the, so you can actually build scale around different, I often talk about used places where the where the really the locations where 5G can make a big difference, like in a sports venue or a factory or a university campus, and what does it take to get that particular use place lit up, yeah. and what are the business models for doing it? So yeah, there's 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 a bit of skepticism I think on the on the show floor about the ability to monetize these these APIs. You know, I mean, it's not just to do with the Ericsson Vonage move, it, but the, the general broader sort of Kamara initiative. And yeah. I mean, I don't know what you think about that, whether you've seen anything in your work that, that you know, it provides some insight into, I, into that kind I, of I thing. I see one really big thing I see in my work is that 
when you try to monetize it the way you've always monetized it, meaning that, hey, now we need to sell the person that's using it on another five bucks on the communications bill or something like that, when, you, when you're going straight to it. Like, I can see challenges when you're going into an airport and you're lighting up with an airport with really, really good connectivity if you're going to sell that for five bucks extra. So, and then the fundamental difference between which business model are you using? Are you using an opt-in model where you have to stripe up the whole place? Hey, you can now get really fantastic 5G connectivity here. Just sign up for $5. Versus if it's an opt-out or if it is, hey, I'm paying 310 bucks for, for the ticket. 1% of that goes to the, uh, to, to the connectivity proposition. So I think, I think it's worthwhile to look at the, the bigger values we unlock. And then, can we take a percentage of something really big and, and, and monetize it? There's, there's no one fixed business model here. It can no. be the airport paying for... It can be the airport paying as, as part. It could be the, the sports venue paying. Like, yeah. I'm crazy about Formula One. When I pay, like, four or $500 for a ticket, would, would, I, would I notice if it was 525 and if I say, hey, now you can get 525 and it's really good 5G connectivity for, for, for the, the application you do around it. So I, when we approach it like that, then perhaps when we're looking at the office, saying, hey, should, should this really be trying to go for the IT communications bill uh, and trying to get people to pay 25 bucks extra? Or should it be part of the, of the rental fee for the, for, for the office rent or something like that? So I, I see early signs that, that some of these things are, hey, Where's the real big benefits here? And how can we create an easier sell? And, and also a sell that drives a quicker ramp up. Because if you could get in a, into a building, an airport, and capture all passengers, you, you can go for lower price points than versus if you, if you sell it individually. A little bit like what happened with broadcast. When you're, when you're Hollywood selling to three big cable guys, and then you cover the whole of America with 100 million clients, and you get four bucks. If you then go over to streaming, you're on eight bucks, but now you have to do 100 million sales to get to that point. So. No, I think, I think that's, a, that's a, a good analogy. And I get, I get a sense of build it and they will come with the telecoms industry right now. There's, there's a lot of speculative investment being made without a guarantee of a return, but they're, they're kind of betting, just as Ericsson was betting with the, its big acquisition of Vonage. They're kind of betting that it will pay off, but it's not guaranteed. I was, um, last night we went out and had a dinner with BT, yes. and I was chatting to their head of consumer, Mark Alera, and I was saying, on, on the subject of what you were just discussing, I was just saying, I, I get it in principle, I just don't think I would pay. Let's say on my phone um, I had an opportunity, just a one-click pay for some kind of premium um, communication service. There's a, there's a sort of cultural shift that needs to happen. I, right now, I haven't got my head around it. And, you know, his pushback was like, well, would you pay for speedy boarding on the plane or something like that? And so his point was there's all sorts of things where we will pay a spot premium. But I think it's educating the market because we're used to just getting our phone contract and that's it. Yep. It's just flat. It just works. Yep. There's, no, there's no variability to it. So that, I think that's going to be an education job we've got to do on the market. Yeah, no, but I think it's a little bit like, I often use an analogy. When, when we buy mobile broadband today, we buy it like we buy jeans. There's skinny jeans, there's regular jeans, and there's baggy jeans. It comes in different, but it's jeans, and you can use it with everything. All the apps is a little bit like buying T-shirts. You can buy hundreds of different T-shirts, go to different stores. It always works with the jeans, but there's no really link between the purchase of the T-shirt and purchase of the jeans. They're, 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 they're decoupled. 
So now when we're looking at more, what are the kind of more advanced experiences that you're looking at going forward? And saying, hey, if I got this experience, if I'm going to pay for, for the show of connecting my, with my favorite hockey team and to their super fan experience, which is, works in the arena, works when I'm out, perhaps I want that to really work well. And that, that my expectation is that, hey, if that is linked to, to premium connectivity, that is linked to that particular application. So it's not like buying, going to one store buying jeans and another store and buying T-shirt, but going to a store and buying two pairs of shoes, which is the application experience and the connectivity experience together. That's a little bit, like I, I see potential that, that the networks can do a lot more for applications. And that is a little bit... The, the whole driving force behind what 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 we're doing with with Vonage, and then we're trying to find how how do we find the glue to link those two together, in a simple way, so that not every single application developer has to talk to 700 service providers across the world and vice versa. Finding some ways to to streamline it in the middle. But we're in the in the we're in the a little bit in in the early days. But I I think there's it's relevant to look at what Vonage has done with UCAS and saying hey for very simple things, integrating. SMS and communication services in all kinds of different applications giving, giving people choice. What if we extend that model to, to, to more capabilities in the network? I suppose, I mean, the, uh, one example, I did meet Vonage earlier, actually, and, and, and um, having not covered this topic before, it was one of those meetings where you're sitting asking a lot of questions, how does this work? And there's a lot of bits of the jigsaw and things being figured out, and yeah. I probably need to look over some notes and then talk to them again next week before I even go yeah. near it as a story. But... I get the I get the whole you know we um, from a developer's perspective you definitely don't want to be doing an application that only an operator in Denmark is ever going to use because that's the because it has unique APIs and this this idea of a community uniform approach for sure it makes uh, it makes the telecom sector look a little bit more like a, a giant hyperscaler in a sense and yeah. an appealing thing to be involved with I suppose. The concern then is differentiation, maybe, you know, that you've, you you could feasibly have the same gaming company providing a service on all the all the UK networks and then it becomes harder to it becomes harder to sort of, you know, have a have an offering that's that's different from a service perspective. But uh, and I don't and, and the things to me that have been talked about this way having been done this way are things like two-factor authentication aren't they i suppose that twilio was involved and i think volage has done some of that i mean i'm again i i see why that would make sense from a developer perspective but it's not really something that operators have necessarily done particularly well out of um no but i i think there's quite 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 a few things that can be done if, if we look look forward we, when when we look at experiences that we're trying to unlock that that delivers a little bit more than, than what you regular would, would have been expected. And saying that, is there, so asking the question, is there anything in the network that can make this application better if I had access to it? I think that, that is a that's good, a good that's, it's a good starting question for the conversation because mm. if you can't articulate that and saying, hey, we, we know that gaming is decent, it will not be better with lower latency. If you're, if you're clear on that. I discussed a little bit with the guys, we, one of the solutions we're talking about here is connecting broadcast cameras uh, and to the network. And we said, hey, what's the difference of doing that today with the way you do it today with putting in four different SIM cards and using the capacity wherever it happened to be available and you, you get it over to the other end and it goes out. I said, what is the biggest difference we can do if we created a slice in the network and uh, connected that to your camera? W what would you do? 
And he said, it's a very simple thing, hey, I could use two cameras at the same time. Right. What do you mean? Yeah, because otherwise, if I have one, two different cameras connected the way it is today, there'll be one to one and a half second lag between the two cameras, inevitably. And one and a half a second lag in a, in a, in a, yeah. in a show like this. It would be horrible to watch. So, so I think it's a little bit the eye-opener when, when finding those things and, and t talking very much closely to people that, that do that. What would you do if you had this? And then asking the question, is this even, even something that people are prepared to pay It's very for? different because I know one of the things that when, when it was talked about on day one, there were a few groans and people saying, oh, not APIs again. Didn't the GSMA try and do that years ago with one APIs? But is this... A very very different thing from that particular and initiative. Just so you know, after this one, never, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be all strict with time management. But, okay. uh, but please do answer <laughs> that. Okay. So I, I think that we're in, I think we're a little bit we we've tested uh, some some of the the foundations right now with previous applications. So I think we have a I think we have a significantly shorter runway. When it's been proven in in the past, I'm not quite sure we have had the same kind of foundation both from a technology perspective and from a business model perspective. But I think this time around, I see both the technology and the, and the business model being more vetted when we start talking about it. Same way as we, we talk about AI here at the show. Like it's not so much about what you could do with AI sometime in the future. Hey, these are things that we have done with AI now for performance and like an improve diff different kind of things. So I feel that we, we're starting to talk about it way deeper into the, into the journey. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Well, thanks again for coming on. The only reason I'm having to be so strict, I'll, this is a bit of a running joke on the pod because it used to be an hour long and I've let it run to about two hours these days. Uh -huh. But we also know that Pierre's got a plane to catch, so uh, we've got to knock this on the head in about an hour, an hour from now at the latest and we've got a few people to come on. So what we're going to do is thank you for that and, and I'm going to invite some other guests on and we're just going to do a bit of a tag teaming. So thanks again, Peter. It's pleasure. great to meet you. A pleasure being here. Thank you very much. Nice to meet you, I'll take the mic off you. And now, now I'm going to invite on uh, my colleague, analyst Dario. Talmesio. <laughs> that was a that was a cameraman wondering whether he wants to bring his carton of water on. It's you don't fancy a beer, Dario? I'm I'm okay with water. Okay, no worries, mate. But uh, later on, for sure, I'll uh, I'll catch up with you. So, Dario, you've been on the pod a couple of times. It always seems to be well, not always, but it's often trade shows when we end up talking on on the pod. So, why don't I just start the generic sort of question for this pod? What have been the big themes for you this year? Um, as I think your analogy of the coffee is quite accurate in the sense that there are so many things going yeah. on at the same time that um, it's difficult to see what to say. What is the big theme totally. of this of uh, of this the year? Killer apps. <laughs> no, but if we stick to the show itself rather than the industry development, let's say the show itself, it's quite interesting. It started off with two topics. One is um, API and the other one is fair contribution. Now, those like you and me and many others who, are, who have been in the industry for, for some years, cannot, we cannot realistically avoid injecting some cynicism in all of that and saying, okay, so one API, 2006, 2007, uh, fair contribution... 12 or 13 years on yeah. but and it's so I agree I can't avoid getting into that sort of first impression saying wow deja vu things are different now I think uh, on both 
topics are different. But then, and this is from the show point of view. So the show point, kind of, how do op how do you open the show with, you know, mature topics, let's say. But the reality is that the industry is, regardless of how the, the show opened, it's, it's a considerably different industry. There are like these epic battles going on, like brewing. This is all about agreeing and working together and in a lovely place. But there are these epic battles yeah. <laughs> in the industry, uh, which are, are not a, a theme, but they cut across all themes, really. One could be, you know, we talk about orchestration all the time. Where does the orchestration happen? On the device or on the network? That is the number one epic battle. Well, do we have an answer to that? Or is that, that, is that the, the battle is to answer that question? I don't think we'll answer it today or even through the rest of the year, but those are, those are big. So if you see what happens today is network operators trying to bring back into the network more and more functions and more and more control of the experience back onto the networks rather than on the device. Yeah, I suppose this is, gets to the heart of what the APIs thing is all about, isn't yeah. it? Network exposure function, you know, can we put some of the intelligence and the control and the, 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 the sexiness back into the network? And yeah, it's... The sexiness uh, back into the network? Well, but that's the trouble, well, isn't it? You've been doing this job too long, mate. That it isn't. It's, uh, I mean, the APIs <laughs> they're talking about, to me, don't sound... Yeah, I mean, sexy. one of my questions for Vonage was how many... I mean, they talk, I think Kamara was talking about eight initially that they're, they're making available through this open gateway, but they're not... There's things like location-based, you know, location-based stuff and um, quality of service on demand and carrier billing. They, they sound very functional, you know. Mm. Um, I don't know... It's I don't, know how, much, about I don't them, know how much value there is in, in some of them. That's the thing. They, they, they almost sound like things you, you would expect to be baked into. I mean, when you, people start talking about a quality of service on demand API, I think, well, is, this, is the service not good quality then if, it's, if it doesn't have this, uh, this API exposed? Um, but so, there are some interesting ones. Um, like, for instance, you, the, I was just at the Vodafone just before coming here. I saw an example of the device battery, so you, where you can do some clever management of, of what you do with the network in order to preserve device battery if you know that the device battery is running low, which it is useful. I, w I would say it's incredibly useful, especially for an event like this where you can only enter if you can show your badge on your phone. Um, you know, if my phone is about to die, it would be good if, uh, you know, I can go onto the Vodafone app and say, save my battery, rather than go onto the Apple app and say, go on battery save mode. I think, I, I think about mode. that all the time because we're so so incredibly reliant on phones and we'll only get more so. Soon we'll have passports and stuff on phones. And then if your phone gets knackered, you're fucked. <laughs> So, um, and then we got people like on the, on the preview pod we did with um, Dean Bubbly. He hates putting other people's sort of random apps on his phone. So yeah. then you, you got some sort of cultural pushback from certain people. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, not to say that it is, this is uh, the, the perfect approach, but there, the market is completely different. Yeah. I mean, 
I don't think I particularly love the example of the gamer that suddenly wants to click and find the experience. We Those who play games do it at home. Yes, it's a growing market. Yes, it's a market where there's more and more and more money going into it. I yeah. struggle with uh, the whole game. Um, however, let's say it's a bit niche, uh, to be kind. Um, but what I like about... Um, kind of the timing of it now is that it's it's completely different so where do you access who access who benefits from the apis and where do you access it it's you know you can find those apis in your amazon console and if you are a developer and you you already find your network apis in the amazon console or in vonage whoever i don't i mean from a network from a mobile operator point of view the more the better like find my apis now, who pays for it is a different story. But if the APIs have got values, then it's normal that they get used and normal that maybe you want or as a developer to pay for it. It's the old topic of the two, side, two sides of the market. I mean, even, even Twitter is now talking about charging developers for their APIs. So it, there is value in that. And if there is value, I'm not saying Twitter strategies is one everybody loves but um, it's kind of all over the place at the moment but, in a but, good there, way. but, but there, there is indication from the market that you know there's a willingness of charging for these extra features that of, also feeds in sorry mate, I'll, I'll let you say something so it feeds into my sort of thing i said earlier about the, the build it and they will come thing um so not only are we have we created this infrastructure but we're not sure what to use it for but i always think like for example when things like wireless gaming or VR or whatever comes up. I think it's them sort of after the facts trying to trying to find use cases for this low latency thing, which is kind of the most novel aspect of 5G. But it, it always feels like they're sort of groping in the dark a little bit and, and not convincing me. Sorry, what were you going to say? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of just expanding on the point I already made about why, why is quality not there anyway? I just feel... Yeah. I mean, one of the things you talk to people a little bit about 5G evolution and 6G and why that might be different, and you get you get words like sensing and adaptive networks and intelligence in the network, and it you know it figures out what you, what you need in a certain situation and can provision that. So, if that's what we're going towards, then doesn't that you know the idea is that you switch your phone on and it just does what you want you know the network side of it just does what you want it to do yeah. there shouldn't be this worry about have apis been opened up properly you know to to, to tap into a, From a, a network from a customer you know? point of view you shouldn't be worrying about whether the apis are there and who is using it and what is doing it yeah. but for the, an api but the, to a normal person anyway but the applications you use if they have made yeah, I mean, I mean, I know this isn't something a consumer should have to to, to worry about. Really, it's a de it's a developer thing, and, and if you can tap into those features and make better use of them, then great. But I mean, no. maybe there are alternatives to doing that. Maybe the maybe in in all I'm saying is, if we go into the future, maybe the developer doesn't need to worry about that. They just write it, and you know, and the network behaves as it should anyway Before, through other, through other yeah. means. Yeah, and um, obviously another aspect of of it. Yes, the market is different, but you know differentiation is important for service providers and i and there is this unanswered question still is how if you all deploy the same apis what is the incentive for anybody to go with vodafone or origin to, yeah 
And uh, yes, I understand you need to build a big ecosystem where everybody is uh, able to find certain common things and then it all grows. But at what point are we differentiating on these networks? Who is, I mean, I don't want to be unkind, but only vendors will benefit from it because you keep adding feature, keep adding stuff, keep adding new extras. Uh, but if it doesn't help you differentiating, then you are just adding costs rather than adding revenues. That yeah. sounds a lot like, like what you've been talking about. Go on. Yeah, but, um, uh, yeah. So, so I, I, it was on the record, as I can say. I chatted to uh, Red Hat CTO Chris Wright, and he said this, he said pretty much the same thing. He said, you know, you can see the attractions of wanting to do it. You know, from a developer side of point of view, it's very, very good, obviously, to write for every network in the world potentially, rather than just three UK, but then it makes it a lot harder to differentiate what you're doing from each other. And, you know, what they, he didn't say this, what they really want is bigger telcos, you know, two telcos serving the whole of Europe or something. Right. That, that's what really makes them the same as Google or Amazon, but that's not going to happen. So, um, yeah, well, and that is, that's, that is another sort of, you know, Dario was saying how there's deja vu, but we've got sort of newer manifestations. And then obviously a rolling theme forever has been sort of consolidation and whether whether European telcos are allowed to consolidate. And I, I certainly wrote some things before the show, how they're coming up with some noises where they're sounding a bit more f favourable to it. It's kind of it's kind of alongside that fair contribution thing. I'd, I'd personally be um, more surprised by the fair contribution stuff than a, a maybe a, a little bit more of a relaxed attitude towards consolidation. I mean, to me, that would make more sense to do things like, let's not be so rigorous about allowing companies companies to merge and then, and then when you look at remedies I mean if you're going to allow Iliad to come into the market and undercut everybody and create a price war then you just made yeah. things worse really so I I mean uh, one thing about the fair, fair share or a contribution is that right now service providers have a level of political support they never had before so if you remember this show it was had to had with the regulators, with the politicians, like opposite position. Right now, it's for the first time ever, so this is news from Mobile World Congress 2023, we have politicians who are almost aligned with the service providers. And because the market is different, the, mar the market is really different. We are not watching cats and dogs falling off the stairs anymore on our mobile phones. We are using those those things to, and I know you, <laughs> I mean, I do it well sometimes, but it's it's a different tool now. Yeah, well, I wonder if it comes from the right place, though. You know, I think it's I think the the regulators probably feel, you know, that they're they've changed their minds because they don't like big. Tier. But that's the thing. The, the the discussion has moved. You know, in in some ways, the regulator is not part of this discussion. You know, when people say, "Oh, but Barrack has already said that," you know, they haven't got a leg to stand on yet, but. They are not actually, it's above Barrick. So they, you know, it's a step, it's a step above. Now they are talking with politicians and say, hey, do you remember when I opened up my network to your civil servants and population during the pandemic and we all relied on connectivity and we all worked on connectivity? It's payback time. And even, and even more reason to be dubious about it from my perspective, because Barrett would look at this and go, well, let's look at it economically and let's do some white papers and let's get some really bright people thinking about it. And they go, well, actually, if you look at it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense uh, in lots of ways. Well, it, it Whereas Ursula von der Leyen just goes, I don't that, like Google.
No, no, no. I, I look. I, I, it, it does and it doesn't. But sir, something needs to change for sure, because if you everywhere you look. Um, the service providers haven't been able to monetize, haven't been able to do slicing because of net neutrality, but also they haven't been able to consolidate, but also they haven't been able to charge yeah. kind of, uh, they, 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 also, they also haven't been able to increase their prices. So, so in, in some areas, somewhere, they need to give in or they need to allow service providers to have a return on their investments, which, as we know, it's not covering the cost of capital. So, but you've talked about this. Maybe maybe the industry structure just changes in ways that, you know, it's not apparent at first that it's directly linked to that. But then, I mean, you've talked about this, the emergence of tower companies. And, yeah. I mean, that's almost like a backdoor's way of doing some of this... Uh, you know, you hive off your infrastructure. Now, we would now see one massive company take shape across the whole of Europe. That I think if you, that's an astonishing thing that hasn't even been written about enough is Selnex. Yeah. I think if you look at how many towers it had five years ago, and it was like a few thousand yeah. in Catalonia, and now it's got a quarter of the towers in Europe. Yeah, and, great success. And, and, and that's happened because of this, the market structure, clearly, that, that particular development. Mm. Um, we've got private equity coming in and thinking it's. You know, the, they like the look at the yields on long-term fibre investments, but they wouldn't want to actually manage customers, people like you and me, on top of it. And and that's that's a kind of an interesting model. We'll see how that plays out with that, you know, with that kind of private equity involvement. So maybe what we end up with is the industry just morphing over the next few years into the, the actual, what we think of as the telcos become something very, very different. And we they become more like MVNOs, maybe. I mean, look at what's happening in, in Italy, you know, where you're from, and it's... It's quite is it's he? quite extreme. Darius from Italy, isn't he? Come on, don't 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 make me worry that I'm so drunk. No, no, no. I've got his, <laughs> I was just, I was just joking because he's he's, but he's the, nice and Italian. The whole contortions with Telecom Italia are like really. I mean, there's talk of it, you know, not having it's sold its towers. It doesn't even have a majority stake in its towers anymore. Now there's discussion about it selling its fixed line assets. It would just be, you know, meanwhile it's set up this enterprise business. It's doing some stuff in the cloud. It could become very different from what you think of as like a, a former state-owned telco uh, in the future. The market structures are changing and they are changing rather rapidly, I would say. But that doesn't change the fact that it is more likely than ever today that this big tech will be contributing to the network costs in one form or another. It is more likely than ever uh, I'm not saying, and I actually don't take position whether it's a just or unjust thing, but it is more likely than ever. Yeah, yeah, cool. Sure. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my newfound time discipline thing here. This is good practice for me when we're back in the UK, trying to not let it go on for two hours. Thanks a lot, Darrow. That was great. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll probably see you at the next trade show, won't we? Yeah, <laughs> yes. We've actually been before uh, that. Network but... X in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, in Paris, yeah. Cool. Uh, All right, well, enjoy the rest of the show, mate, cheers, and thanks thank a lot you. for your time. Thanks, thanks, very much. Cheers. So, um, so now I'm delighted. Last night, this was a spontaneous thing. Last night I was sat next to one of my favourite tech journalists, second only to Ian, of course. I mean, te telecoms, not tech. Um, George Malim. Um, and so I wanted to invite you on now, George. Please come, come and sit down. This is sort of working, this, this, this tag nice. teaming, yeah, isn't it? Good. I like it. Welcome, George. Great Thank to you. see you. Uh, it was great catching up with you last night. So an extra treat with George, because we used to see him quite often, 
but then he cleared off to New Zealand. Yeah, I mean, it's, and, uh, I'm upside down. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is the first time you've been back since you moved there almost a year ago, isn't it? Uh, yeah, first time back in Europe. Um, and nice to come back to a normal MWC, really. Last year was a bit quiet, um, and it's good to see it back to yeah. its former scale, but a uh, few things missing. Um, not all bad. So, uh, just the, the common thread that I'm asking everyone, what's, what's been jumping out at you? I, I think there's a much less marketing bullshit. Um, I, I went searching to see a sign saying 6G. I'll drink to that. Oh, by the um, way, do you want a beer? Oh, I'd love a beer, please. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Uh, I went searching to, to try and find uh, 6G and 7G marketing, which I was expecting to see, and I'm, I've been disappointed. I haven't found any of this um, uh, excessive uh, overexcitement about the future. And I think it goes back to what previous guests have been talking about, which is that 5G is really hard to make it work. So I, I think we need to like take a step back, concentrate on making 5G work before anyone goes insanely off into future G's. Have you seen a lot of stuff this year on like the metaverse? Because that was quite a big theme last year. Uh, there's a bit of it about. Um, I saw a, a woman sitting on her own at a metaverse stand uh, <laughs> up on the uh, raised walkway and I, I I don't know whether something was going on for her in the metaverse or whether Was, she was there just... anything in her body language that indicated that... Hard to tell. Right, OK. <laughs> Hard to tell. May have been a cyborg or something. Right. I don't, well, I don't know. Got well, the, the the possibilities are limitless in the metaverse. So I've been told. Apparently. Yeah. She uh, might have. She might have been. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think because there's been such pushback on by you know the big metaverse companies or fa Facebook obviously in particular, having to um, make all these cuts and it's not taken off as quickly as it as they would obviously have wanted it to. You, you, you know, you. you talk to people who know about that market which I don't at all and they say no one's really kind of no one's really using it in, in any kind of uh, well, meaningful they, way. Well, so. Lockie was going on about the industrial metaverse on Sunday weren't they? Yeah. I'm still not entirely sure what that is but they seem to think that's it, where the action's at not, well, I think not it's Mark Zuckerberg a, walking around yeah, looking like data out of Star Trek. It's a smart right. factory it's an yeah. XR thing really isn't yeah. it right. and um, you know being able to I mean Someone commented to me that it's a short-term thing anyway because they use it in these warehouses at the moment where it makes it easier for people working in the warehouses to find things yeah, and work makes out sense. and do something. But in, in about five years, it'll be full, full robotics yeah. anyway, so you wouldn't need XR in that environment. Um, that's a good point. So, yeah, that's not a long-term play for, for someone like Meta. They want to make it They want to make it the next internet, don't they? And um, the, the thing I find weird is, is it one meta... You talk about the metaverse, but it presumably won't be that. It'll be just lots of different mm. um, platforms that uh, companies have, have, have thrown up. So people now start to talk about metaverse standards, don't they? Can you... You've got the same issue. Can you, can you have a, an app developed that works across the right. platforms? Because otherwise you, you can't be having several little parallel ones. And then you've got... I mean, it's like such a running theme for this industry is yeah. standards and compatibility yep. and interoperability, and that's already coming into the metaverse discussion, I think. Mm. But, but I've, I've seen nothing on the metaverse. I saw a massive, like, helicopter-type drone thing on SKT. Yeah, that was... I mean, talking about marketing bullshit, um, it, bring a toy. Um, but there's far fewer cars. There's very few cars. Yeah. We've there were had loads those, of cars uh, three years ago. We've had ago. those Black Mirror... There's robot, robot dogs. attack yeah, dogs, uh, yeah. robot dogs going around, going around, yeah. freaking everyone well, out. There's more of those. They're, they're, they're really frightening because you know, with advances in AI, you can see them all going yeah. for someone next year. Um, <laughs> I want to see one of those Boston Dynamics, like the ones that the, the, the kind of humanoid ones. Yeah, that would uh, be good. They do somersaults and you know, move like acrobats, but mm. you never see them bringing those. They're probably too expensive. Yeah, and you can imagine. I mean, it's pretty crowded this year. 
somersaulting robots is not a good mix in the, these crowded corridors, I don't think. I could no, end in tears. No, <laughs> no that's for sure. Um, I guess there's that kind of... It, it's always about monetization, and, and the metaverse is looking hard to monetize. And I think 5G's delayed because it's also hard to monetize, yeah. and the experience isn't good enough to monetize. And there doesn't appear to be the shift in business uh, model uh, to support further investment in 5G. And I, I'm still scrabbling for it, but I can't find it. Yeah. yeah, well, you said, yeah. in answer to my opening question, you said, um, you know, you, you were kind of pleased not to see too much sort of utopian marketing bullshit. And you said, let's get, let's do 5G right yeah. first. I mean, it's not necessarily for you to define, but I'll put you on the spot anyway. You say, let's do 5G right first. What does 5G done right look like? Because I'm still struggling with that. It's about the, the business model shifting from being one of selling bandwidth to being one of selling a service. And I think it's important that the operators don't try and do it alone um, and spend all their time taking a telco-grade approach to developing a service that they may then offer to their customers. So I'm thinking a good example would be... Um, uh, carriers have lost a lot of income, a lot of voice income because of the move to unified communications. So trying to spin that back and get that kind of high margin business back, because, I mean, voice had huge margins and nothing else has anything like it. I mean, if, you, if you're reselling Office 365 to an SMB, you're maybe on 10% or 20% maybe. I don't know. I, don't, I can't pry too hard and people won't tell me the exact number. <laughs> but but it's, not, it's not voice margins of 80%, 90%. Um, so that, that gap has to be filled. But if you go away and invent an experience that you're going to sell either to consumers or in the B2B market. So I think probably the B2B market is more interesting in terms of getting back to that margin at volume um, because there's so many things. But if you, you know, if it's AT&T inventing a model and an app or a use case that it can monetize uh, for 5G, it's spending all its resource doing that. Um, Verizon will be doing something similar, spending its resource doing that. Uh, meantime, the hyperscalers are just walking around doing something with a global product that they've developed once and sold multiple times. So that that globalized, um, multi-layered approach, the fragmentation can't continue because the telecoms industry can't afford to have 256 national varieties times three in each market of an app because that's 700 times the development load that Google or AWS would have. Yeah, which is where this API stuff comes in. Yeah. But we'll, we'll have to see where, where, where all that goes. Yeah, so that was, that was a good answer to a tricky question of what's 5G, yeah. what 5G done right. And, and this is another problem that, that marketers have um, is... You know, we were talking about explaining it to normal people. Yeah. Um, well, according to Howard Watson, you shouldn't be doing. Shouldn't be what? Talking talking about it to ordinary Ta people. Talking so about five G. Talking about G's at all. Oh, try telling his marketing department that. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't saying to him what you know. What do you? Yeah. What about your marketing department? He was giving me his view on. on <laughs> no. you, we shouldn't. I know. I was he, just being facetious. He, if it, if, you know if me. he put them in front of him, he presumably said the same thing. But we shouldn't be talking about the G's this much. I'm, you know, he was saying that he's fed up with but all is, the focus but on isn't the G's. Like being slightly he, less he, facetious isn't one of the reasons marketing people within telecoms go on about G's is because it's that once in a generation sort of opportunity to upsell and get people enthusiastic in buying new kit and new services. And so it's kind of inevitable that we're always going to overhype the G's because, aside from that, once a decade, 
there's much harder sort of marketing hooks. But who decided that? It's, it's a technological network change. It's not something that you should that, that consumers necessarily give a shit about at all. Mm. Now I know when 3G came along. That was yes, the first okay. time that people yeah, talked about that, that, that was because that all of a sudden you, you'd been used to using voice and text, and you had a bit of what, whatever edge and GPRS, yeah. but you didn't really have good internet on your phone. And yeah. then and 3G was was posi was they they could position that they should never really. In fact, I remember having a conversation with someone at the time back in those days, saying before the marketing started, I'm not even sure they're, sure they're going to talk about 3G to to consumers. They'll just sell sell internet yeah. on your phone. They didn't. They had yeah. So but but they've kept with it and. And that, that's one of the problems with 5G. It's not really necessarily something that should be of, of interest to consumers. Because yeah. It's the absence of other things that they could sell and market that they yeah. fill this gap because with it something. should be, you can come and do this you can, you can, reality listen, you've thing. Got a really good experience. Having a decent, yeah. quality, a decent low latency bandwidth, which you, you shouldn't use the other word low latency no. to consumers either. No. Or no. bandwidth. You've got a good experience. It's things just you've work. got good stuff yeah. happening. It's like, <laughs> I think using telecoms jargon is, certainly counts as a shit chat up line. Depends who. <laughs> I've, I've, I've noticed actually there's. Or there's, maybe a niche chat up line. There's, there's more women at the show than there have been. There oh, yeah. There is that. Show, yeah. uh, not a huge amount more, I must say, though. It's the one of one of the few events in the world where the queue for the gents is longer than the queue for the ladies, but um, and that continues. Yeah. There's, uh, there's, there's more women and there's fewer seats for journalists. Yes. Yeah, we, we, had, to, we had to bring this up. Seems That's like a good point, actually. I nearly yours because I think. I think it's been shit for journalists, actually, facilities, frankly. They used to have this area upstairs on the walkway. It's very compact. That was uh, 500 seats or, or whatever. I don't know how many seats there were, actually. There's a lot of room up there for people. You could usually go up there and get a, a seat. And it's very accessible to go down to either Hall or Two, which is where most of the action's happening. That's now been given over to, to ministers. And well, that was the thing. I've, I found that out in the morning. So I haven't been back to the media village, as they call it. Yeah. Uh, they got a bit of a nerve well, calling think, that a village. I think people go there but, once and then with horror, they never return. Yeah, yeah I went to look at it. Yeah. Because I wanted to be able to comment at times like this on how crap it is, because I heard someone say <laughs> well, how crap actually, it was. To be fair, I'm not just saying this because they're, they're letting us film here. But Ericsson stands been mine from Media Village. Ericsson stands been terrific. There's like um, like a whole seating area. You can get a coffee there. There's like, there's even plug sockets. So that's the proper Media Village actually. Is Ericsson stand? It's not well indeed. The um, and, where it, and yeah. I think it was. I mean, I understood that they that they downgraded our stuff. I mean, the GSMA will obviously insist they haven't downgraded, but I, I think they're talking shit. Yeah. Um, but it was because it was something that I think um, Peter was talking about. Or I think it was Peter. Um, about the the public sector involvement, and the reason they chucked us out of that room is because they got so many more politicians and dignitaries and bigwigs turning yeah. up. Um, and I can sort of understand it. I mean, I, I haven't really been paying attention. But there's to a lot that. of there's a lot of empty space here that they could have done something with for journalists. That whole area before you even get to that media village mm. is just a lot of empty space with a roof over the top of it. They could have put some seating area there, and it wouldn't have been getting in anybody's way. I know you have to get vehicles coming through to move stand equipment around, but I'm sure you could have done something to make. Yeah, I mean, how difficult is it to put up a partition? You know, I mean, they, they... it's a huge area. They've got eight halls or whatever. They could have done something to make uh, uh, it easier for journalists. I mean. I, I do find it strange. People. There must be I mean, a thousand people. I mean, I've got to journalists. say though, I, I kind of, I'm not a big fan of the the media centre anyway, because I, my my question would be, why would you come to an event like this to spend all day? Topping and tailing press releases in a in a in a barn. You do see people who are there all day. Yeah, like and I'm thinking, what, yeah, dude, why are you here? Why are you here? Yeah. You could have done that at home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I do find that a bit weird. Yeah. yeah, but it's but I think the thing for me is sometimes just finding somewhere I can plug in yeah. and get the, that laptop recharged again, as much as wanting to sit down and write something. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's not been good. The 
the setup this but year. There, has I mean, there clearly must there must be a kind of better correlation between the number of registered media here and the number of chairs in the in the media village. Yeah. Um, that you know, it, there must be a, a an algorithm for that. We could apply some well, AI to it. I kind of wish I had gone back because I, I came the first morning and then just came here and just hung around here. Yeah. Um, I kind of wish I had gone back because I'd like to have seen it at peak. You know, I don't know, l lunchtime on Monday or whatever. Yeah. Um, and seeing how round it was, because I get. Uh, have you been in there a few times? I only went there on Monday, but yeah. it, was, it was probably around lunchtime. Uh, and was it quite hectic? It was pretty rammed. Uh, I managed to um, standing up use a shelf to check my email, right. um, and uh, get out of there quite quickly because of that. Um, so yeah, I mean it was standing room only. Right. Yeah. So there we are. Not ideal. So uh, raise your game, GSMA, on that one. Um, what else? So yeah, back to back to themes, George. So we, we kind of covered the 5G. What's the point of it? Is anyone making any money out of it? Anything else jumping out at you? Um, I, th I, I, I mean, I think you've probably spoken about many of the things before with uh, AI. And, your view, um, your view is unique. We haven't talked about AI that much. Actually, um, so. I think AI and automation uh, are very important pieces this year, uh, and it, and it plays back to everything we were talking about before. Really, uh, I mean, automation is essential um, to bring the cost of uh, the network down to a feasible level and also to allow the flexibility for all the new services we're talking about. And AI is actually being applied to the network to enable that automation across all the different domains and in multiple dimensions, which gets back to the complexity you were talking about mm. at the very top. Um, so my, my now venerable, venerable coffee metaphor. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it is that. I mean, I think that's that's starting to move because there's a real realization, particularly in high cost markets such as the Western European ones that um, the automation is essential just to bring the cost down to uh, to, to a level of operate uh, to a level um, that, that has the potential for profitability to be sustained because if everything's done manually by a human who is paid to live in Basel or somewhere like that um, your your um, uh, the, the cost of living has has to be tied to that of course the flip side of that is if you're I don't know a Swiss operator you can charge more for your service because it's a higher ARPU market than a uh, than a developing market so that, that's an interesting thought is the automation needed more um, in in the in the high ARPU markets or, or in the low ARPU markets where potentially manual labor would be cheaper but that's offset by the fact that the uh, the GDP is also lower. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in this because just seeing what it means for the size of the sort of telco workforce as well. I mean, because yeah. the, the argument that you always, the pushback argument you always get is, well, what, what we need automation and AI for are the things you're just talking about, things like addressing faults and ticketing. And, yeah. and there's going to be a lot more of that going on in 5G in the future. And we can't possibly manage all that with, with people and... Um, it just isn't it just isn't feasible to do it but here's the thing is automation strictly speaking means taking out manual effort now if you and you're only going to reduce cost by um getting rid of people essentially yes. if you just move the, the 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 answer normally comes back is no we can move those people on to other yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the politicized it's yeah, the politicized the, answer. answer i'm not saying it definitely won't happen yeah. because because people do get pushed into other areas when when things come along that that automate other tasks but you you kind of think well if they're doing these other tasks then either those those are going to be measurable in terms of benefits like added sales or um you know all your costs are going to stay the same basically and although your quality of experience might rise your quality of experience might rise and you might be able to do things quicker yeah. and cope just cope basically yeah. but you're still going to have 
this margin issue and their sales are going up and you're paying people to say and also you're paying you're probably paying for more software people anyway who, yeah. are, who are expensive so the whole automation as a cost saving thing is um less sort of obvious to me in a way but if, if, if they're going to you know if they are going to keep them and i mean it must end in reduced headcount though it has to i mean well the, that's the trend anyway if you look yeah. at the way the the, the the sector's going and i know it's not all to do with automation some of it's just consolidation and normal mm. efficiency measures and and stuff but i know companies like um they're pretty public about this so but companies like orange when people retire especially if they're civil servants they don't they don't rehire yeah. and you sort of think well you're doing one of the what is it david graber called bullshit jobs you know <laughs> they read that book didn't they that a lot of people just do jobs that you don't really yeah. need and they're kept on just to make society work and keep them off the street sort of thing mm. uh, you know and then if so if they don't get replaced then your workforce is gradually getting smaller you know um i don't know it's it's a difficult one i don't know how it's going to play out you, you kind of worry that the future network is this thing that just sort of runs itself and the only person on the company's a ceo sitting there drinking coffee in the morning and a robot brings that to him and uh, <laughs> yeah and why have the ceo and why, yeah yeah and then what could possibly go wrong when ai ai writes its own software and everything yeah. well, that, we spoke about that on a on a pod recently that that fun story i i wrote about chat gpt yeah starting to go did you write it or did you use chat GPT? no well i know i didn't <laughs> um i mean i've done the usual thing that lots of journalists have done which is like write a story in the style of me or whatever um, but no, this this was other people's reporting. But some some U.S. journalists, I think one was New York Times, another can't remember now. But they got in there with ChatGPT and started basically making it go rogue. And uh, and in one case, it started accusing them of being the most evil person in the world, like worse than Hitler. And another one started said that ChatGPT, which had now identified itself as someone called Sydney, loved the journalist. And when the journalist said, I'm married, they said, you don't really love your wife, you love me. <laughs> it's yeah. just great stuff. Yeah, and then didn't he ask it about his shadow self? And it went, yeah. Well, the, it was I, the shadow self stuff that provoked yeah, yeah. this. I this, don't want to be a chatbot this anymore. crazy I want to be a person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, great. And I always say, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a point of cliche on the podcast of whenever we start talking about automation and, and that sort of thing, I invoke Terminator. Some combination of Terminator and Matrix. Yeah. Um, but it does it does freak me out how how willing we are to just sort of surrender to technology. Yeah, I mean, I think there's the Skynet stuff, which is science fiction. But I think if you move back a few steps from that, you know, they're they're now talking about. So there's there's a thing called um, GitHub Copilot, which is based on the same large language model that um, ChatGPT is. That writes software. So you basically say to it, I want you to write this program using this language and using these libraries, and this is what it's going to do. And it does it. And that's, this is presum presumably going to get more advanced. And you kind of think, well, if people don't do things like that for a long period of time, they lose the skills to do it. It's like old C++, C++ programmers mm. or going back even further than that. And then I just, you know, we're, we're putting these layers in of, of abstraction through ai and losing the foundational knowledge and then if something does go wrong with the ai system and you need to bring people along to try and figure things out again nobody knows how to do it oh you're like me with my children i make them read maps just in case the the gps but stops a, working that's a really good example though it's like i i've used this before you know i remember being a, a 19 year old and going to backpacking around yep. north africa and 
um, figuring it out somehow. You talk to people. That's quite brave. Good. Backpacking around North Africa. Well, he, was only, he, was only, he was only in Egypt in North Africa. Okay. So, but it's still, it's still, um, and the thought of doing that now as a as a bloke in his late forties with um, without a smartphone yeah. would, would terrify me. If I get dropped off in central London, I don't have my phone on me now. I get, yeah. I get a bit yeah. nervous. I broke it over Christmas, and I was like, went through this this phase of like he baked it. I wow. accidentally dropped it in the oven, as you do. Yeah, not, not a common oven, thing. No, that, uh, or microwave. Uh, no, a proper oven, 200 right. degrees. He did it with his Christmas, Christmas spuds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that didn't work. Well, I didn't ruin your lunch. Lunch tasted pretty good, actually. Oh, it's surprising that well, you I think get away with it. We think he started a kind of niche cuisine of sort of <laughs> circuit board spuds. Smoked plastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're, we're coming to a time where we've got to stop or Pierre's not going to be able to get home. Yes. Um, I, I thought I'd just ch change the subject. I, I really enjoyed chatting to you last night, George, at, at the BT thing and, and just hearing about your move. So you basically moved to the other side of the world. You're, you're a West Country lad, aren't you? Uh, well, from Bath. Uh, yeah. We we, yeah, we lived in That's Bath okay. before we went to New Zealand. So, um, do you just, I mean, this has nothing to do with telecoms. I'm just curious to know any, any sort of highlights or observations or quirks about moving to New Zealand. What's it like? I think it's the, it's the space because it's the same area as the UK, but with 10% of the people. So it's six million people and quarter of them are in Auckland. So it's, it's that, that kind of thought that um, you very suddenly are very um, on your own. So if you, you know, if you're out mountain biking or walking or something like that, you're a long way from other people. Um, and I think that's what's the signal like. Bring it back to telecoms. Well, fun funnily enough, I was uh, I was visiting a company here, and uh, they uh, um, they had a, a tool for finding out cellular coverage and where do you live. They said I said Wellington, New Zealand. Zoomed in on my uh, on, on the house that I live in, on, in the western suburbs of Wellington, uh, and uh, found out that. Um, Vodafone has a less strong signal than uh, than its rival, um, so that was very uh, useful information for me. Um, so well done, MWC, for that <laughs> uh, to dial down. But yeah, I mean the cities have great signals, the main roads have good signals. It's a, it's a technologically advanced nation because New Zealand realises that it really needs to be connected to the rest of the world. Uh, the government supports technology. Um, obviously, it's got a you know a six and a half million population, but the the, the government realises it needs to take up a uh, modern role in the world and it's and incidentally it make, creates more beef than than lamb every year so yeah there are actually more head of Didn't cattle your prime she, minister quit yeah yeah, but, yeah but isn't right. that good though because she she didn't she felt she didn't have the energy to go for another term didn't have new ideas left the way clear for somebody else i, I wish that would happen in the in the uk and in, in well it happened in scotland too. to be fair yes true um cool but you're enjoying it it sounds pretty i mean the cliche uh, i've never been there but the cliche is this sort of incredibly healthy outdoorsy um, it's lifestyle there. Yeah, I mean, it's eye-jarringly beautiful. There's there's loads of opportunities for outdoor activities. Um, the flip side of that is it lacks a bit in culture, um, and uh, and there is that kind of um, isolation of being so very yeah. far away from from the rest of the people planet. People forget it's 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 three hours flight away from even Australia, yes, isn't it? it? Is, yeah, yeah. Two, two time zones too. I mean, there's a, there's a great um, excerpt from a from a poem in Wellington Harbour. They have stuff on plaques and floating around and places in the harbour, and it's uh, I'm going to misquote it, but but it's basically. Um, down here we live on the edge of the world just like everybody else in fact i think it's universe but it is everyone lives on the edge of the universe um, so uh it, it's it's yeah, it, in, in cosmic terms it's not that far in away in the great scheme of things <laughs> um so we're, we're starting to run out of time i'm going to um i'm going to sort of pass the ball to you ian in terms of oh, i've got okay. i've got some sort of 
like final thoughts about the show. Um, but you know, we've just gone over quite a lot of ground now. Have you got any other thoughts about the show, um, telecoms themes, the show itself? What what you think you've learned from being here, anything like that? I mean, I've learned a lot, but some of it's kind of in the weeds. Yeah. I don't know if I want to go into that now. Um, but it's proper I, I, techie, I, but that's kind of, that's, yeah. part, that's part of the it is. broader I, narrative. It's very techie stuff, isn't it? I, 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 I mean, I don't want to, because I'm often conscious of sounding like a bit of a doom monger and uh, a bit a, of a pessimist. You can be a bit, a bit grouchy. I, I don't think it's um, been very, very upbeat, this show, on the right. whole. I think the, it's quite glue. I think the telecom industry is in a really difficult place. Now, I know these things like, uh, open Gateway and um, some of the other stuff they're pushing, even things like Open RAN are designed to try and you know stimulate innovation and and, and help make this industry more profitable and successful. Yeah. But actually, we we've, we have mentioned Open RAN. Yeah. It's quite we? strange that we haven't yeah. mentioned Open RAN. Well, we don't. Have that was to on my mind too. Actually, it's one of the yeah. things I forgot when you asked me. Yeah. Was but then, but the maybe there's a reason why we've forgotten it. Maybe it's been less prominent well, than think, we thought. I don't think be. Open RAN has been that prominent. Actually, this show is one thing I'd say. There's been a few things, and I've I've written about it, and I've been talking to people a lot about Virtual RAN, which is kind of not quite the same thing, but it and gets that completed. gets properly techy. I still can't yeah. get my head around that. But, um, and I find that really interesting, actually, just from a sort of vested interest perspective. But, but, I just, but the bigger, for the bigger picture, I just think the industry's in a really difficult situation. And I kind of wonder, you know, and this kind of sums up the, some of the stuff we were talking about, Dario and everything before George came on. But it, where, they need to figure something out. I, I, I don't think, personally, fair share is the right answer. I don't, I, you know, I'm more sympathetic towards the idea of, of regulators you know, doing something sensible on the spectrum front, perhaps, in terms of the way that gets awarded or looking at uh, making it easier for people to build things or, or even being a bit more um, tolerant of, of consolidation activity and not blocking things and having these, these radical remedies. But something needs to kind of... Something needs to give, really, structurally. Yeah. And I think the industry itself, you know, they keep talking about, you know innovation and the lack of it and not being able to get efforts going and it's maybe this open gateway maybe this does start something it'd be nice to see in a way i'd, I'd be i you know I'd, i was a bit skeptical about it in a couple of things i wrote this week but i would quite like to have that as a story where it actually works out and it does what they're yeah. positioning it to do because if it doesn't then I mean, this is the industry we're in as well. You know, it's not, totally. not good for us ultimately. For, no, and while us journalists will have a pop, we obviously want it to succeed. Yeah. We've kind of got a vested interest, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you concur with that? Are there any other things that you're taking away from the show? Yeah, I mean, it is that, that kind of downbeatness of... Which always kind of permeates because of... It, it's because of that loss of uh, high-margin revenue that, um, and, the co and the immense cost of the infrastructure, which the... the, the Operators are having to to bear on their own, and maybe that's a that's something that that will have to change in in, in some way because the you know the, the big hyperscalers aren't going to be able to execute on their consumer activities without CSPs networked, and if CSPs can't afford to to build 5G to the level that it needs to be built, the five the promise of 5G won't happen. So that's the depressing side that that something structural has to change in terms of the the business model because the csps are being left picking up the bill while um all the good dishes are being pinched by the hyperscalers and that's the ongoing theme that's been happening for the last five five years plus um, yeah and, and prior to that where there was talk of like otts and all that stuff wasn't it? Yeah. when i first got into this nine years ago 
Yeah, I mean, so so I mean, the CSPs have been losing their their grip yeah. on on the on the on the jewels of networking. Yeah. Uh, but you do wonder if there's a different business model. You know, I mean, we're here at Ericsson. Um, maybe you know, Ericsson may have been happier in retrospect twenty years ago to have to have sold the hardware as a service to to operators and um, made and and borne the. Um, the stress of the capital investment itself and package that out to the market um, as as a as a service play for, for the for the operators to provide services over infrastructure that they essentially rent so they wouldn't have to go and raise billions every generation it would just be an upgrade handled by the vendor but it's too late the trains left the station and all the vendors are judged on how many boxes they shift yeah Cool. All right. Well, I'm going to start wrapping up there. I've got one last thought that I just reflects on today. I was going around today. Um, I've got to, I've got to give uh, respect to, to my team, Andrew Armita here, and Nick and Mary have been incredibly good uh, getting um, stories up remotely. And I was publishing a couple of Nick and Mary stories, but they were they were written remotely, but they were referring to Mobile Congress. So I try and go around and just take photos of stands to put up a relevant image. And I went. I, I didn't get his name. I went to um, Deutsche Telekom's one, and there was just one of the normal sort of mid-ranking engineers who do all the little demos and the little video screens. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm a journalist. He goes, yeah, I know, I listen to your podcast. I was like, fucking hell. <laughs> um, and, you know... Someone does. <laughs> someone, someone does. Well, and it was, just really, it was just really gratifying that this guy... I'm sorry I don't remember your name. You, you, you're hopefully listening to this. But you'll know, you're, you're the Deutsche Telekom guy who I asked about the, the satellite story that I needed a picture for. That's when you get recognised in the tube that you've really made it, mate. Uh, yeah, that happened once or twice, didn't it? Yeah. But, do you know, I mean, but the cool thing about it, and this is, sounds incredibly self-interested and self-aggrandising, but it, I really like coming to shows like this. And not being recognised for the, for the ego part of it, but just reminding you that, that you're, you're sort of plugged into a bigger vibe, a bigger ecosystem, and that, and that there are people here who might listen to the crap we talk when they go for a run or what a dog or on their commute. And it's happened more than once. I mean, that one guy springs to mind because that was just a couple of hours ago. But I've bumped into a few people where I've introduced myself and they go, yeah, I know, I listen to your podcast. Brilliant. I just thought, I just thought that was really cool. So, um, yeah, so I think I'll wrap it up there. Seven minutes early, Pierre. He's going to make his flight. And I will say thanks again to Ericsson. <laughs> thanks again to Ericsson thanks, shout out to John in the background there um, thanks for letting us for giving us this excellent space to do this um, and obviously thank you to our audience for listening and make sure you join, actually the next one might feature Ericsson as well, people are going to think that we're, we're in love um, so make sure you join us for the next one